This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going on, everybody? Justin Morgenstein here with you for another exciting edition of Phillies Today. Wish I could genuinely mean that, but... We are a Phillies podcast. We're going to talk about the Phillies. Uh, but seriously here, this has been one of the driest off-seasons content-wise. Not even with the Phillies, but across the league. Just feels like absolute silence for the majority of this uh, off-season. I know the Yankees signed Marcus Stroman yesterday. Not that I really had him on the Phillies radar at all. But it just, nothing going on, man. And even as I'm sitting down to write this, I'm thinking, you know, what can I talk about around the league? Talked about the Braves and the Mets you know, make it a couple minor moves last week, but man, this is just even for baseball as a whole. It just it sucks that this offseason has been just so dry of content and uh, moves made, whether it's free agency or in the trade market. Just it's been tough to talk about, but we will carry on and we will do it. So, uh, hey, we've got arbitration settlements to talk about. That's fun stuff. Gonna bring up this pitching staff a little more, and just what I make of the Yamamoto offer that the Phillies made. Uh, a few weeks back, and also some bullpen rumors I've seen with guys connected to the Phils as well. And uh, by the way, uh, when I see or hear about guys being connected to the Phillies, at this point, I just think that it's guys that they can afford in positions that are somewhat of need. Like, what are the chances they've actually talked to some of these guys and uh, are actually connected to them? But I've seen a few names floating around, so we'll touch on that as well here. Uh, So yeah, let's get started. Uh, with the most recent or relevant news over the last couple of days. And that is with this team coming to agreements on four guys on Thursday to avoid arbitration. That is Ranger Suarez, Jeff Hoffman, Edmundo Sosa, and Gregory Soto. Ranger agreed to a salary of just over $5 million for next year. Jeff Hoffman agrees to a $2.2 million deal as well in his final year of team control uh, in 2024 before becoming a free agent next year. Uh, Sosa, $1.7 million agreement, and Greg Soto settles at $5 million. The one person they did not come to terms with was Alec Bohm. It's not something to be concerned about. I think it's about a $600,000 difference that'll get settled in arbitration. Very normal stuff there. But uh, I wanted to talk about my expectations for some of these arbitration guys next year and how I see them contributing to this ball club in 2024. So we'll start out with, in terms of my expectations for Ranger, I still think this Phillies team can improve the staff uh, in terms of getting an upgrade on Walker, but I have no issue with Ranger Suarez being the number three pitcher on this team right now. As currently constructed, I think it's pretty well known at this point. The Phillies have a top three to five rotation in baseball, and a big reason for that has been Ranger Suarez. Uh, 
missed spring training last year with that forearm tightness. So you could tell that it took him some time to ramp up once the season got going last year. But once June hit, he was one of the best pitchers in the National League. Like He had one of the best statistical months of June you could possibly have, actually, last year. Five starts, 33 innings pitched, 2-0 record, 108 ERA with 33 strikeouts. Not bad. Uh, yeah, he was unbelievable in the month of June last year. But even starting on June 1st through the rest of the year, Ranger had a 3.69 ERA, 1.38 whip, and a strikeout-to-walk ratio of about 2.5 to 1. So another really good year for Ranger last year, and we know what he does in the postseason as well. He's a big-game pitcher, not afraid of the big stage whatsoever. And it just makes me think that if he were a possible number four for this team, a possible number four in your rotation, that this would have a chance to become one of the most dominant staffs in recent memory, not just in Phillies history, but in baseball. And I'm hesitant to think that if they brought in someone like Jordan Montgomery here, would Ranger even be the number four? Like, Ranger Suarez could be better than Jordan Montgomery. They're actually pretty comparable. Uh, I think you could argue they're pretty similar. Both have pitched really well in uh, the big stages in their career. Uh, I'm high as range. I'm high on Ranger as always. And uh, you just don't you just miss those nights where Rangers on the mound? Uh, he's one of the most fun guys I think to watch on this team, just in terms of the pace he pitches at. Uh, the defense, of course, there's nothing more fun to me than watching Ranger Suarez go out and be dominant uh, on a nightly basis in the middle of the summer. So love where Rangers at. Again, if you bring in a guy like Jordan Montgomery, who I think is pretty similar to him, I think that's a really good 3-4 combo to have ahead of Christopher Sanchez, who would be your number five, who uh, three lefties to end your rotation. That'd be pretty interesting, but I think that would be a great Great way for the Phillies to set up their rotation for next year, but we'll see. Uh, Jeff Hoffman will move on a little here. Just be the same as you were in 2023. That's all I ask. Uh, he was the latest example of this scouting staff led by Brian Barber. Uh, finding a relief arm on the market last offseason who nobody really knew about, and then handing him off to Caleb Cotham and getting the most out of him. 2-4-1 ERA and 54 appearances. That's as good as you could have possibly asked for. And then he took down some pretty big innings in the postseason as well. He legitimately turned in one of the most dependable relief pitchers for this team at one point last year. So, again, if they get anything close to that this year, that would be very ideal for the Phillies, especially if Sir Anthony doesn't bounce back because, you know, Sir Anthony might have caught some more flack for his performance last year, which wasn't great, uh, very inconsistent at best. And uh, if Hoffman hadn't been so good, he would have certainly, uh, you know, caused some more flack for his performance. So we'll see there. But I am still in the camp of them needing to sign another right-handed reliever. I know there are a few out there. We'll get to them later. Uh, but that would be great as well, just so you know, Hoffman doesn't have to be in those super high leverage moments in the eighth inning. You can you know, use them in the sixth and the seventh inning, which they did in the postseason. They used them pretty early last year. So that would be a luxury for this team as well. Uh, Sosa. Nice guy off the bench, but they tried him over at third full-time when Harper was out at the beginning of the year last year, and that just didn't work out really. He just He's not an everyday player. He doesn't hit right-handed pitching all that well. Uh, he was brought here to be a plus defender, but at the same time, I think his natural position is definitely shortstop. And when they put him at third last year, I just didn't think he was great there. Uh, he was top 10 in the league in defensive war in 2021 in St. Louis. But then again, that was that shortstop. So yeah, with Trey Turner there, I just don't see him ever really getting any reps there, especially, you know, he's not a platoon option as well. If you know, Turner's having a you know, tough time of it, you want to give him a day off. It's not even like he's a lefty you can throw in there against a right-handed bat. Uh, 
I don't love him as the first right-handed bench bat off the bench either. So don't really know where I see Sosa fitting in exactly next year aside from a piece off the bench. But he'll be here. We, we, we know that as of now. So uh, I will say he was worth the trade simply for the slide in the first wild card game last year where uh, in 2022 where Bryson Stott hits that ball to first and then he extends the lead with that unreal slide to beat uh, the Goldschmidt throw from first. So those are my Sosa thoughts. And uh, last guy that they came to terms with was Greg Soto. I thought he had a much better second half last year as he took down a couple of big spots in the postseason as well. You know, it almost feels like him and Jeff Hoffman should swap salaries, but that's irrelevant just you know, based on their production last year. If if he can improve the numbers against right-handers, that would be awesome. And you know, I still think he should be in high-leverage spots as a lefty behind Alvarado and Strom, depending on the situation. But you'd like to get a little more out of Soto if you can. He was brought here in the trade with uh, Veerling and uh, Nick Maton to kind of be one of your you know, more reliable, high-leverage guys. And it didn't feel like he had that reliability factor to him last year as some of the other guys in this pen, and Alvarado, Hoffman, uh, some of these other guys. So that is where we're at with all the arbitration guys. They will all be back next year. Again, Alec Bohm, the only guy not uh, to come to terms yesterday. He will go settle it in court uh, with $600,000 difference, which, again, normal stuff. He'll be back. Everything will be all good. So... That is the deal with the arbitration, guys. So let's switch gears a little bit here. I know on I touched on it earlier in last week's pod, but I'm really encouraged by the Yamamoto offer the Phillies made. Uh, report out there that they gave him a $300-plus million deal. And to me, that indicates that this team, and John Middleton specifically, is not worried about going over the next luxury tax threshold, and they're not opposed to making improvements to this ball club, despite them being a contender as currently constructed. I think this lineup, even with Johan Rojas, that question there, can, they can absolutely go out there and get back to the World Series and win as is. Would I like a right-handed bat that can play the outfield to start the year out there uh, for Rojas? Sure. But I don't think that's the difference between them winning a title or not next year. Same thing with the bullpen. Uh, it was one of the best in the sport last year, and I think they're good there. This rotation, though, I just can't get over how nice it would be to have Ranger and a Montgomery or even a Snell uh, that you can have as a reliable Game 4 starter for you. And this is not a knock on Chris Sanchez at all because he had an awesome year last year, especially uh, given the expectations for him. But clearly the trust was not there with this team, uh, and Rob Thompson specifically, when he pulled him as early as he did in Game 4, a game which they end up blowing, of course, and changes the course of the entire National League Championship Series. Having a starter that can go deep into a Game 4 is such an advantage for your team, pretty much because you know, every team in the league, not named the Dodgers or Braves right now, don't have that fourth starter that you can really, really rely upon in a fourth game. The Dodgers' fourth starter, I think, right now would be Bobby Miller, who you know is a really good young pitcher, but I believe, uh, even with Kershaw unsigned, not that I'd be really scared of postseason Kershaw either, uh, wouldn't be too scared of Bobby Miller. I know he's been uh, one of their higher-rated prospects and has been pretty good since he's been up, but I like the Phillies' chances in uh, a series against the Dodgers, Bobby Miller, and potentially one of those guys I just mentioned, going off uh, for the Phillies in a Game 4. And I think it would be sale for the Braves at this point, and what are the chances he makes it all the way to October healthy? History would say pretty slim, but we'll see. 
Uh, getting there healthy is the difficult part. But if you have a really reliable top four with Sanchez as your five, that's something that a lot of teams would have trouble taking down the short series. And I just can't have Taiwan Walker as my number four starter. They didn't rely on him in the or they didn't pitch him in the postseason whatsoever this year. And for a guy that's on the contract, he has four years, $72 million to not be able to depend on him in the postseason and be able to turn to him, whether it's out of the bullpen or in a starting position. I really think that that is the spot where the Phillies could upgrade to give themselves a better shot at getting back to the world series in 2024. So encourage that the Phillies seem willing to upgrade the rotation. And I just really hope it happens because then they enter a real you know, championship or bust territory. And that's, All you can ask for heading into a season after coming up really, really close in the past couple of years. So, uh, last major thing I wanted to hit was the Phils, like I said before, being loosely, we'll say, connected to a couple guys out of the bullpen who I'd like for this team. Uh, John Heyman coming out of the report saying that the Phillies have, quote, checked in on Robert Stevenson and Jordan Hicks, uh, two right-handers out of the bullpen. Stevenson uh, kind of revol- revived his career with the Rays last year, put up good numbers, ERA just above three, over 13 strikeouts per nine, which is crazy, crazy number right there. Uh, he'd be a high-leverage guy I'd love to have out of this bullpen. Could definitely be great, seventh, eighth inning option for you. He only had one save last year. I know he probably didn't get much of a shot to close games with Fairbanks being pretty solid as the closer down there in Tampa, but he was really great in that role. And usually the Rays know what they're doing in terms of getting the most out of their pitchers on their staff, both starting and in the pen. Hey, just look at Zach Eflin. He had an incredible year last year, and the Rays managed to get his workload in a position where you know he was able to maintain his health throughout the course of the season and got him to pitch in the postseason. So uh, they were really able to manage Stevenson well last year, and the Phillies could take notes on that. I really haven't talked a ton about Jordan Hicks so far this offseason, but he kind of hits what this staff likes to bring here now, and that's a real velocity guy when you mix in a really good sinker or fastball mixed in with one really other effective breaking pitch. And for him, that is the sweeper, which was pretty effective last year, especially once he got moved to Toronto. Opponents had a 136 average on that sweeper for the year. So, yeah, not bad. And uh, he does have some closing experience as well. Had 12 saves and 15 opportunities last year. The thing with him has always been you know, the command is his biggest issue. He was 15th percentile in walk percentage last year in baseball. But I think that he is a guy with a ton of upside that is definitely worth taking a chance on, especially you know, if this market keeps trending the way it has been lately and you can get him at a possible discount. And he has a decent track record going back to his St. Louis Cardinal days. So I'm in on both these guys. And just one more bullpen upgrade in general would be awesome. I'm in on, again, Stevenson, Hicks, certainly in on Hector Neris. Would love Hector back uh, in a chance to be in a Phillies uniform again. And also, while I'm on this bullpen stuff, I keep being more and more out on Hader, kind of as this offseason's rolled along. And after what these reports have been saying about him wanting Edwin Diaz money and potentially wanting over the five-year, $102 million that Diaz got last offseason, to me, is insane. Uh... I don't think the Phillies should be the baseball team that overpays a closer who's going to be on the wrong side of 30 for a five-year-plus contract. Uh, to me, that could end in a pretty clear disaster. You make the marginal bullpen move. 
I think you make the big starting pitching move if you're going to make a big move there. To just, I don't think that this bullpen needs a closer that's going to be making over $20 million a year, and that is where Josh Hader is at right now. So kind of out on Hader at this point unless they can get him on a, you know, a shorter-term deal or just a big discount as this offseason rolls along. So that is where I am at bullpen-wise. And, you know, before we get out of here, there's something I wanted to revisit or just visit in general, since the Cutter Gauthier news with the Flyers has been rather relevant in the city this week. If you're not a hockey guy, real quick, I'll explain it. And if you don't really follow the Flyers, first-round pick for them, who is essentially a top-five prospect in the sport, said that he was not going to play here after being drafted by the team in 2022, uh, said he did not want to play here recently, and then ends up getting traded because he never wear a Flyers uniform. He wouldn't meet with Flyers management. Uh, Danny Briere, Keith Jones... Uh, Patrick Sharp, John LeClaire, all these guys would not meet with them. Uh, and now a lot of people with this situation have been bringing up the J.D. Drew comparisons, saying that the situations are very similar and you know how they became such big enemies in this city and that they basically betrayed the organization. Uh, first disclaimer, I was not alive, and I think this J.D. Drew stuff occurred in like 1997. But to me, this feels different and worse. I guess, from the J.D. Drew situation in terms of the Phillies were told by J.D. Drew and his camp before the draft that they didn't want to be drafted here and that he was not going to wear the Phillies uniform. So thus, he then refused after being drafted to not play for the organization and not wear a Phillies uniform. But here, Gauthier literally told the Flyers on draft night that he wanted to be a Flyer, was happy to be in this city. I know he grew up a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, but... All of a sudden, he suddenly just shuns the organization and won't talk to their player development guys or the front office, who a lot of all four of these guys and Jonesy, Danny Briere, John LeClaire, Patrick Sharp, they're all former NHL players. So there's a level of respect there as a young hockey player is about to break into the league for the first time, refusing to talk to these guys. It's shocking, actually. I just disrespect. I'm just, I can't see how that rolls over well with a lot of the front offices in hockey. But anyway, I don't know. Just a brutal situation for a kid like that. And it would essentially be if Andrew Painter decided he didn't want to play for the Phillies uh, after being drafted. But what's worse in hockey is you can go back to school and just re-enter the draft. So it's not even like they could force him to report. I just had to bring that up because I know people are giving him the J.D. Drew comps, but this feels way worse to me just in terms of you said that you wanted to be a part of the organization right when they drafted you. But then once you, you know, get drafted by the team, it's you say that you didn't you never said that. So I think it's just ridiculous. And boy, if the Phillies were this is the type of stuff that we need to talk about on Phillies today. If a Phillies player did this, we'd be dedicating a whole dedicating a whole episode to this. So that is where I'm at with uh the Cutter Gautier, JD Drew comparisons. So, okay, before we wrap this up. First of all, I want to thank the arbitration signings yesterday for giving me at least something to talk about on this podcast. Like, I was sitting about to get my nose together yesterday and just what I'm going to talk about, what I'm going to you know bring up here. Because if you listen to this podcast, again, thank you very much for listening. If you're you know listening every week, if you're tuning in for the first time, always down to talk some fills no matter what. Like, I worked at MLB for you know a whole a year before I got WIP, and I really love baseball, genuinely like love talking about it, love going over the moves all around the league with the Phillies. Like I love the Phillies. 
and I'm always down to talk about the Phils. But, like, this has just been one of the toughest times to come up with content, truly. Like, and I see the arbitration signings yesterday. I'm like, yeah, I get to talk about arbitration signings. And any other year, it feels like I, I wouldn't even bring these up in a podcast. Like, I'm genuinely struggling sometimes of topics to bring up, whether it's just, you know, the free agents that are out there. I feel like I've touched on every single free agent and trade market guy that, you know, you could possibly talk about this offseason. So, you know, it's been tough. But before I wrap this up, I just have to say, Dave Dombrowski, please, please, you know, he's obviously a listener of the pod as well. Dave, Dave listened to Phillies today, of course. There's no doubt in my mind. Just please, Dave, please make a move. We're dying. Like, the Eagles right now, <laughs> we'll see what happens this weekend. Do I think that they are going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I actually do because – the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been one of the most inconsistent teams in the league, more so than the Eagles this year, but the Eagles season is likely coming to an end soon, and there is nothing I'd rather talk about more once the Eagles season's done and once you know, this epic collapse is over than to talk about the Phillies, man. Like, I just want to be talking about baseball again. I want to be getting excited about this baseball team. Spring training is less than two months away. Like, going to be so excited to break down all of this stuff once we get rolling and once the the guys get the clear water, it has just been like one of the most dead off seasons I can remember. And that's including like the COVID year off season because they're even like take a guy like Reese Hoskins. And I know he's not even the most notable. You still got guys like Snell, Bellinger, a ton of these guys out there. There's just nothing going on movement wise. And all you get are these little tidbits from, you know, Heyman, Nightingale, JP Morosi, whoever it is, just, loosely connecting these guys, these teams. And, you know, the Stroman news happened yesterday, which I guess was somewhat of a surprise. And, again, I'm glad the Phillies weren't in on him. I just think he's been one of the more not only inconsistent guys, but just a guy that uh, he's so loud and he's such an outspoken guy that it feels like he's left the organizations he's been with a little sourly, whether it was the Mets, the Blue Jays, uh, just in Chicago. I don't think he had any problems in Chicago, but especially with the Mets, uh, he left uh, on a little bit of a sour note there. I'm glad the Phillies didn't go after Stroman just because of the deal he got. He got some good money. I know it was only for two years, but I was never really in on Marcus Stroman. Definitely more in on Snell and Montgomery. But there are just so many of these guys sitting out there, man. And it's like, eh, what if the Phillies brought Reese Hoskins back? Or what if the Phillies got out there and signed a Blake Snell super late? Like, there are going to be some really interesting developments going on, or at least I hope or I think. Uh, once we get to, you know, February and March, because I mean, these guys got to sign eventually, right? Eventually these guys are going to have to be on teams and head to spring training, wherever that might be. So again, Dave Dombrowski, I know you're listening, man. Just make a move. Give us something to talk about on Phillies today. I would really appreciate it. Thank you. (laughs) So that is going to wrap it up for another edition of Phillies today. I am praying Praying next week that we have a move to talk about in terms of the Phillies. That is exciting. A signing, a trade, anything. You know, as much as I'm glad to talk about the arbitration uh, settlements today, just just give us something, Dave. Give us something. This has been Justin Morgenstein with another edition of Phillies Today on the Phillies 24-7 platform. And, uh, yeah, have a great week, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t